Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. What's up, guys? Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome again. Uh, there's a couple things I want to do, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to continue our teaching series, Sending a Generation. Sending a Generation. Uh, the first thing I want to do, and I hope you guys at home are, are watching and listening right now, because this one's kind of for you. It's for all of us, but it's for you in terms of you may have a homework assignment, because I want to hear more letters like this one I'm about to read. I would love to read more like this about what your journey's been like um, making the decision f- that's the best according to wisdom and caution uh, to stay home for you, for you and yours. And this is a letter, you guys, that I wanted to read just to connect our, our, our one church family. You know, we're one church family in person and online. It's, it's all one. It's just two different locations, probably more than that. But anyways, we, a couple weeks ago, asked some of our leaders who have stayed home, not just from church, uh, but this family in particular— it was written by a guy named Brian Joe. He's one of our leaders. Brian, I should say, one quick uh, preface before I read this, has uh, had a, um, man, I always forget how to say this right, but he's had a heart defect. He's a really tall, large man, and part of the package of that is that his organs sometimes have trouble, and particularly his heart. And um, he even had a surgery, but I think it was like February, March, right before things kind of broke out and we all went home. This is written by him. I'm just going to read it to you. And this is a way, if you couldn't tell, I'm sure you will be able to tell by the time I'm done, a way to connect our two communities. You know, that's kind of the effort behind this. This is what Brian said. He said, during this pandemic, I can see that it has surprisingly become quite a highly charged and polarizing environment with a mask or no mask controversy. The whole issue of staying safe at home versus the government's not going to tell me what to do. The more I've been searching deep down within my own fears of COVID, as well as judgment of other people, I'm being taught by God that this whole pandemic has been a backdrop for a larger challenge for the body or family of Christ, and that's unity. I'm guided to two verses in the Bible. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And John 13.35 By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That will be a mark of a disciple, which inspired the famous oldie but goodie song, they'll know we're Christians by our love. I've been forced by God to face my own fears of COVID and judgment of others by realizing it's not just about me and my family's safety only, but this pandemic has created a test. I bolded that word myself. An opportunity to show the world that we are united by our love for one another, How is that lived out? It's lived out by me accepting others for how they want to treat the COVID crisis and not judging them for how they choose to protect themselves or others. It's about me accepting them for who they are as a body of believers, my brothers and sisters in Jesus. This love, which Jesus himself poured out for us on the cross, is meant to first be practiced by the body of Christ within the church, where it just oozes, I bolded that word too, just oozes out to others outside the church, in our workplace, our neighborhoods, and our schools. And one final passage from Romans 12 
that God has resonated in my own heart. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with love. That's from Brian. I just thought that was such a, yeah, we can give it up. That's powerful. <laughs> That's so powerful. Um, as I said, regardless of what you believe about the science or about the health or about COVID, here's a guy who has a heart issue, a significant, real, tangible health issue. And there is at least somewhat of a significant, real health issue out there. And so not really by choice, but by, by, by decree for their family, they've had to stay home, not just from church, but from everything, y'all. Five months of pretty much staying at home. And so my heart goes out to them. And I'm so thankful for his heart, his posture, to not stand in judgment of any of us who are also here in person, in community, because we don't have those same risks, by the way, or that same caution or, or that same kind of message from God. So I just thought that was so good. And I hope that you guys watching online, listening at home, maybe you feel led to, to share a similar note of just kind of what God's been showing you and teaching you during the season. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good things happening in this season, this fall season. Church continues, man. Church is back on. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good. Whether the governor sponsors it or not, it's good. We get to do it. It's cool. You know, and we'll do it whatever way we can at home or in person. It's awesome. And so in line with that, there's some events coming up that I want to tell you about right now. We, we haven't really done announcements that much because we haven't had a, a ton to announce, you know, like what's the family newsletter? And I want to do that this morning for a couple minutes, and then I promise we'll get into the word. But there's, there's something going on just next Sunday, next Sunday night, 7 p.m., right here on this back deck. We're going to do a prayer and worship night. No qualification to come and be here. You don't got to know a lot about prayer. You don't got to have all the words to the worship songs memorized. All you have to do is come with a, a broken and willing heart. Because you see, and if you're newer to church, we actually believe this is a foundational belief that um, things change as a result of our prayers. In this world, tangibly, physically, in this realm, that things can move and change as a result of our worship and our prayer. And so I don't know about you, but I went a couple months just scrambling, doing anything but that. When COVID hit, first two months, just scrambling, rushing around, frantic, trying to keep my head above water. And my go-to wasn't prayer and worship right away. And, and it's taken us a couple months, but we feel like now's the time. And, and next Sunday, that's the 20th, 7 p.m. right here, prayer and worship night. And just come, just like I said, broken, willing, expectant about what God will do in our midst, in our county, for families at home and, and in person. It's going to be a really powerful night. So mark your calendars for that. It's going to be fun, too. Like I said, there might be a worship song that's like a pub song. I don't know what Isaac's cooking up. You know, it's his, it's his baby. It's his program, but there could be some fun too. Men's barbecue. If there's any men here or men who, women who know a man, that's everyone. See how I just did that? That's marketing 101. That's salesmanship 101. So good. We got a barbecue happening uh, Saturday the 26th. Once again, you can get your phones out. This is a phone-friendly environment, church. This is totally phone-friendly because I know when you get it out, you won't be texting the homies you'll be taking notes from my very profound message that I prepared all week. Uh, but for now, you can get your calendar app out and mark it for the 26th, 1230. That's a lunch. That's a barbecue lunch. And here's what I want to say. It's not just going to be a bunch of men standing around a grill grunting, okay? It's, it's going to be some of that. There's a guy in the back that's always grunts when I make this announcement. He's awesome. He's running the whole thing. But there's going to be barbecue. There's going to be fun and games. Anyone like to compete? Any dudes out there like to compete? Yes, so we can do some of that. But we're also going to connect as men. 
you know? It's important that we do that, that we, that we don't pretend that we're an island and that we're going to make it through this deal by ourselves. And so that, that day, that launch, the 26th, I hope you'll come and it'll be really, really encouraging. Lastly, women. See, I got something for the men. I got something for the women too. There's a brand new women's study starting the 23rd. It's Wednesday nights for 10 weeks. Wednesday nights. And uh, it starts the 23rd. Keep your calendar out. Get your calendar out. Keep your calendar out. It's, uh, I think it's women alive and choosing. Where's Mel at? Aware, aware. Women aware and choosing. And it's an amazing Bible-based study that's all about pr- all the questions you've ever had, essentially, truly. About purpose, about identity, about you know, social pressure. Anyone ever felt that? The need to confer- conform or, or people please? Yeah, this series will strengthen and reaffirm your core uh, <laughs> physically and spiritually. It's going to be a workout thing. You didn't know that, but your core is in for a treat. It's going to be a workout thing for the ladies no, no, it's not at all. No, this is a spiritual workout. Anyways, that's for the ladies, and that's on the 23rd. So please, please, if you're not connected to a Bible study or a small group or something regular, you, you got to consider this, gals, truly. It's, it's a step. It's a profound step. If you're interested in growing in your, your understanding, your knowledge of God, your relationship with Jesus or the Bible, this is the step you take. You move from Sunday morning, which is awesome, an awesome kind of fire hose dose of the word and Jesus. But if you want to kind of grow into the next level of really transformation, mind, body, and soul, you take a next step like this. You just do 10 weeks. Anyone can do 10 weeks. And this will be a wonderful, wonderful study for, for gals. So would you just join me? Let's pray right now. We'll pray for all this good stuff that, that the Lord has cooked up and that leaders and people, you out there, have cooked up for us to be a part of. And we'll just pray for this morning and this message that something clear in the name of Jesus would come out uh, of this microphone. So God, we just thank you so much. I'm, I'm continually so thankful for worship outdoors and that we got a cool one this morning. Yeah. It's cool, Lord. The weather, the cool air, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for worship. thankful for all these people that came out this morning, ready to receive this word. And God, I just pray that every single one of us would be marked by this word from Luke 10 this morning, that we would be changed, that we would be different in a significant way as a result of your gospel, your good news, Jesus. Thank you for all these things. Bless these events, these programs, the leaders who are facilitating them, the organizers who are setting them up, and the people that will attend them, God. I pray that they would move way beyond just um, consumer events into something more profound, something that impacts our lives and our hearts forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in this series, you guys, Sending a Generation. The tagline for for this series is something I'm particularly proud about because it comes from a classic sports movie. The tagline for this series is moving from, if you build it, they will come, right? Field of dreams, it's classic. Go Google it and watch the trailer, it's so good. Two, moving from, if you build it, they will come, to, here I am, Lord, send me. I wanna give a little explanation of where that comes from. Where it comes from is Isaiah 6, 8. That second half, at least, here I am, Lord, send me, comes from Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah was this messenger of God chosen by him in the Old Testament times to speak for God. And he had to give these widely unpopular messages for God. And before it ever started, way early in the book, because there's like some 60-odd chapters there, but at chapter, chapter 6, there's this moment where Isaiah is given this privilege of having this whole picture of heaven. 
Like truly heaven opened up. I know it's hard for us to imagine, but just angels swarming the throne room of God and the very presence of God there. Amazing and awe-inspiring. And God's having this conversation, I don't know, maybe with the Trinity, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels even. And they're having this conversation. They ask this question. God asks this question. We have a job. Who should we send? And Isaiah, of course, he's given, he, he's given, a, he's given the privilege of seeing this for a reason. Because he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the messenger. And he responds without, get this, he responds without knowing the outcome, without even knowing the job, without knowing the particulars of the assignment or whether he can succeed or not. He doesn't know any of the end game, but he just shouts emphatically. He just says, here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm telling you, you guys, this whole series, this whole teaching series has been birthed out of that idea. That the church, let me tell you the other half, if you build it, they will come. I don't know if you knew this, but for about the last 50 years, we've had a church model, how we do church. It says, if you build a fancy building, if you get a fancy pastor with holes in his jeans, and you get a bunch of young people and an awesome worship band, and you spend all the money on the stuff. If you build it, they will come. And, and in a lot of ways, it's worked, by the way. I'm not scorning or shaming the fact that we have this amazing, freshly painted building. Thank you, Jesus, we have a roof of our heads. And that we can gather and staff can meet. It's awesome. But I'm telling you, it's not the only way to reach people. First, the first thing God does is, he picks you up, sometimes by the back collar, and says, I, I want to send you out. That's such a consistent message throughout the Bible, cover to cover, not just for Isaiah, but certainly that's a popular, popular line. Isaiah saying, here I am, send me. So why do I spend five minutes already just on the introduction? And that's what it was. And with me, because that's the outcome of this whole series. That's the hopeful goal. That's the prayerful goal of this whole series, you guys. And my elementary students in the back, I see you fangirls. You're awesome! The whole prayerful goal of this series is that we would say that same thing that Isaiah said. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I want to tell you, every single one of you guys has an appointment. Every single one of you guys has been given an assignment. Believe it or not, Every one of you guys has marching orders from heaven, directly from heaven, believe it or not. And this comes from Luke 10. We're jumping right into the passage. Finally, thank you for your patience. And this is what it says in Luke 10. In Luke 10, we have a big old group of people that get their marching orders. And they say back to Jesus, here I am, Lord, send me. And this is Luke 10, okay? This is what it says in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. It's on the screen behind me. Or you can get your phones out and just go to Luke 10 and just follow along with me. We're just going to do some things verse by verse. Before I go a step further, I have to say one big thing. Because the big idea of the series is, here I am, Lord, send me. That's what we hope will happen. But the question for today the question that every single one of us I want just wrestling with and just pin it to the ground is this. What is my appointment to each to a person? Because it won't be the same to a person. It'll be different for every single one of you. But I want you to ask that question. What is my appointment? And what I mean by that is not like, 
hair, nails, and dentistry. I'm talking about like um, the, the person God is sending you to. Because that's what Jesus is doing here. The Lord appointed 72 others. They're disciples. But I want you, that, I'm going to come back to that question again and again and again this morning, all right? What is my appointment? Say it with me. What is my appointment? It's really good. That's above average energy. I know you couldn't feel it, but I've heard a lot of Sundays and that was above average. So way to go. That's the question we're all going to ask and answer by the end of this time. Jesus did that with these disciples. What I love about this verse, it's on the screen there still, two by two ahead of him where Jesus was about to go. The first thing I want to say about these 72, who are these people? It says they were disciples. They were, they were followers of Jesus. But they weren't the 12 because they were the 72, right? <laughs> so they couldn't have just been the 12. They weren't just the superstar, heroic 12. They were some other unnamed, anonymous disciples. How cool is that, first of all? Because that's you and me. That's you and me. Disciple is just a fancy word for student, a student of Jesus. Now, regardless of where you find yourself in that class, <laughs> in that school, you know, day one student, or you've been doing it for 40 years, we're all disciples, we're students of Jesus. And this is us. So, you, so right away, step one, we have to demystify the idea that it's, oh no, this is just for some super special, super qualified followers of Jesus. No, they don't even get a name. That's me and you. <laughs> we're just anonymous. But we're not just anonymous. Because it says that they went ahead of Jesus, the places where Jesus was going to go. That's so crazy. That's so neat. When I read that, you know what it makes me think of? One of my favorite words. Harbinger. Say harbinger. harbinger. Who thinks I'm saying that word wrong? Anyone? Be honest. Just raise your hand. It's cool. Call me out. Dude, Mel <laughs> Melissa Wood. Harbinger. H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R. I... I clicked on the dictionary app to, so the, the computer would say the word to me, and that's the best I got, okay? That's the best I got for you. What's a harbinger? It's a messenger. It's a forerunner. That's what the disciples were. These 72, they get to run ahead of Jesus. You all, at home and in person, get the amazing appointment of running ahead of Jesus. That's crazy, but so cool. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking about the birth of Jesus. You guys remember the story. What happens? The angels. Who else is a harbinger? The angels of God. They run ahead and they go out and they appear to the shepherds in the field and they say, today, this day in Bethlehem, a king is born. You get to do that too, man. Oh, let's not go anywhere else in the passage until we camp out right there. That's you. You get to carry on in the same exact job as the angels, man. That's pretty cool. Anyone else agree? You could just do this. Just do a little head nodding. It's good to get physical activity going on a Sunday morning. So they were appointed. That's the point number one that you need to know about being sent. This whole series is, here I am, Lord, send me. Just remember, you're sent. What is it, though? To whom? To where? For you. Who is it? But you have that appointment. Really important. Let's go on to verse 2. He told them. Back to verse 2. It's on the screen. It's on your phones. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, <clears throat> request, pray, to send out, send out what? Say it with me, send out what? Workers. workers into his harvest field. Go! Exclamation point. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound too exciting. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Hmm. Some interesting weird stuff there. I think to handle the weird stuff first, I think this is just a note about how focused Jesus wants us to be. And I think this is a precursor to stuff being a distraction. That's all. Just put it really quick, really simple. In our lives today, do we have stuff that's a distraction? Do we have, do we have stuff that gets in the way? Yeah, it's okay. We can do this again because we live in a time when our, our screens take 11 hours a day <laughs> for our lives. So we could, yes, we could say that stuff is a distraction sometimes. That's true. That's the second half. Don't take, don't take a purse don't be over-obsessed with money. Don't take a clothing bag. Don't, don't be overly obsessed with the stuff. And don't stop anywhere on the way because you might get distracted because this is a very, 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 very important work that I'm sending you on. That's you guys, the anonymous disciples. And I don't want anyone to take you out of the game because it's such an important work. But here's the real question, the meat on this. Because you guys, especially you guys have been in church for a while, um, you've heard this verse many times. Lord, we pray for the workers. We pray for the workers. I guess maybe pastors for sure. <laughs> pastors are familiar with this prayer because we're just in our office, you know what I mean? Monday to Friday, like, Lord, send us some workers. Send us someone for the greeting team. Please, Jesus, send more workers. Maybe we're the only ones that pray like that. I understand that's probably true. It's reasonable to imagine pastors doing that. But here's a perplexing thing, you know? Why would Jesus, the very second thing, verse 2, the, very, the second thing out of Jesus' mouth to an audience of workers, because that's who they were, why would he say to the workers, pray for the workers? That's really weird. Don't you think so? And there's a couple cues that I take from this passage. First, here's the first thing about prayer. And this is what you do as one of the anonymous disciples who says, here I am, Lord, send me. You look at your appointment. The second thing you do is you pray. Just ask God. But here's the thing, first, what not to do. You see, the verse, forever I read this verse as that we should be focused on the harvest. Somehow I read it that way, confusingly. It doesn't say that. It says that he is the God of the harvest. Well, just for a second, let's just get agrarian. Let's just go full horticulture. Is that plants? Please say this. Horticulture? No? Is it plants? Sick. Nailed it. Your boy's got mad language skills. Okay? I'm just going to go full agrarian for a second because that was who Jesus was talking to in this first century. They would have understood farming. What is a harvest? A, a harvest is the crop yield. It's the finished fruit. And it says in this verse, it says, it's God's. How many of, here's the point I'm trying to make. I'm going to land this plane really, really fast. Are you ready? Hold on tight because I'm going to land it so fast. You may not even be ready. Here's what I'm trying to say. How many of us in our prayer life are still praying for the outcomes and praying for the end point and praying for the harvest? God, please give me this. Please deliver this. Please do this. Please have this arrive. Please accomplish this. Listen, listen there's a time and a place for it, 100%. And I'm going to talk about that, in fact, in a second. But God is saying, remember, I own the results. 
So much of our prayer life is this results-oriented, results-focused thing. I don't see it in Jesus' second pointer. So that's the very first thing is a caution is let us take our minds and our hearts off of the results for one day. And instead, let's do this. This is my second takeaway about prayer. Prayer for the workers. Who are the workers, you guys? The workers are you and me, really simply. I know I, I pose it as very mysterious. Why would he ask workers to pray for workers? But I think it's actually pretty simple. The point he's making is that you should pray for one another and also pray for yourself. Actually, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time praying for myself. And I think if I can be so bold as to translate Jesus in this passage, I think one of the ways we could pray for the workers is to say for ourselves, here I am, Lord, send me. In other words, that's what Jesus is saying. Pray that you workers would have a willing heart. That you would just be willing. That's what send me is. That's a willing heart, you know? That's what it is. And you guys, I just want to say this about this time that we're in. I want, I want this is... I'll probably cut off the whole second half of my message and then I'll do the part two in a couple weeks. But I just want to take a second and talk about what church is for. Okay? I, I talked a second ago about how we build churches historically and classically. But I, I feel like, especially if you're like me and you've been around church for a couple decades, sometimes we have to like shake. I thought about having you guys like shake it off, but I'll, I'll just do it sillily and then you won't have to. But I, I, just for a second, if you can, physically and mentally and spiritually, shake off the, the old norms and conventions. Some of you guys are doing it anyway, and I freaking love that. That's awesome. Way to go. Um, we have to shake off the norms and conventions about what we think church is. Because if you come around church for a long time, and forgive me those guys who are newer to church, love it that you're here, and this is a good lesson still. But, but if you've been around church for a while, we start to believe that, that church is a checkbox, and that we come to get a good lesson or a good teaching, and then, and then we go on with the rest of our week. And I'm not judging or criticizing anyone. I just think that's what happens when we fall into a pattern. Did anyone ever fall into a pattern with their marriage or their kids or their parenting? Yeah, yeah, we've all done that. Your relationships, you slip into a pattern and you forget the big why. And I'm going to just say it really directly, really clearly. The big why of the church is to bring salvation to souls and to serve the brokenhearted. Boom! End of story. That's why church exists. To bring salvation, redemption, restoration to hurting and broken people and then to serve people like a hospital. Jesus said that. In the first century, he faced the religious elitists. And they said, what are you doing hanging out with sinners? And Jesus said, sick people need a doctor. Health people, healthy people don't. The, the language, and in a second, I'm going to talk about healing. Because Jesus says to the 72, he says, go out and heal people. And they do, which is pretty cool. The word, the Greek word for healing is theropesis or something. What does thero sound like? It sounds like therapy. It sounds like medicine. The church exists, you guys. This gathering exists online and in person to bring people into an acknowledgement, awareness, bending a knee in allegiance. That's what the word faith means. The original Greek for faith is pistos. Pistis, it means allegiance. Number one to bring people to a saving relationship with Jesus, and number two, to patch up the broken and busted up people, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's why the church exists. Can I give you a few tangible, practical things I want you to pray about for the next five, 10 minutes? 
There are at least five teams that do that every weekend. At this church today, not some dream church or that I envision off in the future, today at this location and many others across Costa Mesa and Orange County today, there are at least five teams that do that, that are about that business every weekend. And I have a table right here, and I put the, the names of those teams on a clipboard. They are kids, youth, worship and media, set up, and what's the fifth one, Val? <laughs> you guys are supposed to laugh. Greeting, duh, greeting. Let me just start right there. I'm not going to go in depth on every one of these teams except to say what I already did. Every single one of those teams has an orientation around bringing people into an awareness of Jesus, the saving knowledge of Jesus, number one, and number two, patching people up, fixing people up. When we decided to gather three, four months ago when we first could in person, and they said we could do indoor and outdoor, we just went outdoor. The, the, the thing that pushed us over the edge was there are people that are hurting and broken and sick emotionally, spiritually, and they need help. That was our deciding factor. Not because we were going to make a political play. Not because we wanted to be radical. Not because it was our right to worship. Those were not the top things. The number one deciding factor was there are sick people emotionally and spiritually, emotionally, and, and we want to serve them in person. Every one of those teams does that. You can imagine that during this time of COVID, the, our teams have been essentially cut in half. We have half as many people serving in kids, half as many people willing to greet. And we're not judging that or condemning that. We love them and bless them in the name of Jesus. But what we are going to do is make an ask based off the Bible that you would prayerfully consider putting your name down on one of those clipboards if you're not already serving somewhere. If you're not already serving somewhere. And let me tell you what this is, just really quick. I said a second ago, this is not about coercion. And so it's so beautiful about the Bible and how the Bible is different than socialism, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, because this is voluntary. Socialism is an organized mandate. It means you must, you have to. I tell you to do this. No, 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 no. This is about, here I am, Lord, send me. It's voluntary. And that's all. And maybe for some of you, it's not the season. That's okay. We, we love you to pieces. And, and maybe for some of you, you think you're unqualified. But you have the capacity and the time and you're able to come through. You just put your name on a list. And maybe you want to serve in a different way. We're going to talk about that also in a second. But I just pull up this morning and I see these people, like I do every, uh, every Sunday. And these people were set up there in the back with coffee. And these guys who have come and they've set up tables and chairs and tents. And it's the same faces. It truly is. For the last three months, it's been the same faces. And, and it just, oh, it's so moving. I was in tears this morning coming up just thinking about these people. And can I just tell you that every single one of those things, saying hello to someone, Stacking a chair are connected to someone meeting Jesus for the first time and someone getting healed and patched up, okay? Absolutely, unequivocally, the people don't get to come and meet Jesus or be healed if they don't got a seat for their butts to be put in, okay? Can I get an amen? Yeah, we love the setup team. Can I get an amen from the setup team in the back? Come on! 
It has been the same seven guys for about seven years. Come on. Sign up for 12 months to put a chair down. And you will change a life. I am not deluded in that. I am not just filled with smoke when I say that. You can sit with someone in the nursery, a child, in kids' class, and those are going to be opening up pretty quick here, I think, maybe by the end of the month. You may get an opportunity to sit with someone in elementary school. Do you know the kinds of decisions a fifth grader is thinking about? Real world decisions, you guys. You know how many adults it takes to get around one fifth grader so they can have a chance in this world to have a positive influence, I mean, and to know Jesus, I mean? Five. And guys, this church is amazing. At Watermark, we do a survey like once a year. It's probably another one coming up here pretty quick because we haven't done it in a while. And we just ask people, are you serving or not? How can we help? Are you in a group or a Bible study or not? And how can we help? And where are you coming from? What city and what age? And do you have kids? All that stuff, right? That sort of stuff. And the survey comes back. It's incredible. Half of Watermark serves. That's amazing. That's a great number. But we won't stop preaching about what the Bible says about bringing a willing offering of service until it's 100%. We won't stop until it's 100%. And you know why? Not just so that you can do that for others, bring someone into a saving relationship with Jesus, or be a part of someone getting healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, but because of the work Jesus will do in and through you. The work Jesus will do in and through you. Listen to this. This is so crazy. I'm skipping ahead. You guys on the slides, we're going to go all the way down to verse 17. Find the, find the slide with verse 17. And this is what it says. This is what happened. The 72, they get sent out. And Jesus, his instructions, I probably skipped over it. His instructions were this. Accept the hospitality of people. Go into their house. Bless them. Pray with them. Eat with them. Stay in one house. And go out and heal people. And go out and heal people. Preach the good news that you've learned from me, Jesus, and heal people. That could have meant spiritually, that they were, they were broken and, and sick spiritually. It could have meant physically. We know from reading the Gospels, it was definitely physically. Those were the signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus worked that authenticated his ministry. That tangibly, physically, people were, had a bum leg or were bleeding out or were dead, and Jesus fixed them up. This is, what, this is the result. This is the result. And this is what God will do in and through you, okay? This is what it says in verse 17. The 72 return with joy. Man, why are they joy-filled? They said, yes, here I am, Lord, send me. And they went out and did the job. They did the thing. They were filled with joy, and they said, Lord, this is crazy, you guys. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, this is crazy. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Very, very, very quick translation. What's Jesus saying? He's not saying that, that healing was a lesser miracle or, 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 or exorcism. Because that's what the verse is talking about, by the way. That's what it's talking about. It doesn't just say there were sick people, man, and they got well right away at a touch. Or, or we raised the dead. No, it's, it's talking about demon possession. Prominent thing in the first century. Still exists today. It's not just in movies and television. Still exists today. Okay? And, and, and Jesus is not saying that 
that the exorcism was a lesser wonder or a lesser miracle. He's just saying both. He's actually affirming both. What, what, what does he mean by their names are written in heaven? He's talking about that salvation thing. Remember the two points that I talked about a second ago about why the church exists and why we serve? It's so the people, and there are many. Let me go back for a second here. What did Jesus say about the harvest? It's plentiful. You see, there's a temptation to read that the harvest is plentiful in a strictly positive note. Like, oh, there's so many. Yay. And again, as the mind of a pastor, let's grow our church and make it bigger. Get more people here. They're there, right? And that is good. And that is positive. But I, I also think that what Jesus meant when he said the harvest is plentiful is he meant there are souls and there are bodies and there are minds that are so incredibly broken right now. They're falling apart. They're, they're just in tatters. And they're so ready for the hope and the good news of Jesus to invade their souls so they can know peace. They can know joy. They can know everlasting life forever. They can know relationship with Jesus right now in this life and the life to come. And so that, the, those names of people who are lost and hurting and broken apart from relationship with Jesus, their names are written in heaven forever. That's what it says in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. The Lamb's book of life. That your name as a believer is written in that book. It means it's secure forever. So Jesus in this passage, he says that's what's going to happen for you. Again, the anonymous disciples, the 72. You and I are the 72 plus And we're sent out and we come back in with joy. Wow, Jesus, even demons submitted to us because of your name and what we did. You used us in that way. That's a crazy, fun, powerful work to be a part of, you guys, that you and me get to be a part of. I just discovered, um, I just discovered this last week how to look up the original Greek words. I know, believe it or not, it's cool. We're all students, remember? Yeah, yeah, the the perception is I'm the professional Christian or the professional pastor, it's cool. I just learned how to use the Bible Hub, a completely free application online for every single person. It's available to you. And you can look line by line by line the verse you're in in English, and right next to it we'll have the original Greek. And you click on the concordance hyperlink, which is like a button that opens up another page, and you can find out this entire definition of these original words. So cool. Man, you'll, you, will, just, you won't need us anymore, man. Start doing that later. It's good being with you. Good knowing you, bro. You're going to feed yourself, and that's a good thing. This is an amazing word right here, the Greek word for submit, because I want to talk about this for two seconds, and it really will be two seconds. What, ben, this whole thing, uh, the Satan, uh, demons, uh, submitting to, to, to us in your name, the literal translation of the word submit means under God's arrangement. Under God's arrangement. It just means if there, isn't, is, if there is a hierarchy, and by the way, like, oh man, that's what I was going to say before when I was talking about socialism. This is so good. Too good not to go back for a second, okay? There's no hierarchy at this church. There's no, there's no social division of labor at this church. If you come early enough, you know who you'll find out here on the road picking up trash? You know who you'll find? the founding and lead pastor of this church. There's no division of labor at this church. 
we're all willing to pick up trash. We're all willing to stack chairs. We all want to volunteer to sit with kids who are gross. Melissa just totally missed it. She's in the back. She's going to have to go review the notes later. Now you don't know. So, <laughs> so I just want to keep that in mind really quick about uh, demons. Going back to demons for a second. Sorry. Did we jump around a little bit this morning? We did. That's okay. You guys are so gracious. I want you to have a comfort, okay? I want you to have a peace. You, you, again, there's no need to hyper-spiritualize this thing, heaven and hell, uh, you know, demons and humans. It is real. That's all. You, you guys have felt attack before, probably, from Satan or from demons. Maybe it wasn't as colorized. Maybe it wasn't, you know, as tangible right in front of you. But, but every single one of you have been under attack. We talked about this two, three weeks ago. In your mind, you ever had thoughts in your mind that are just wicked? Like from the pit of hell, wicked? You've been, you've been under attack. We all have, myself included. Absolutely. Thoughts of fear and death and dying and, and shame and guilt that's not from Jesus. Jesus isn't shame and guilt. He doesn't do that. The enemy does, though. Satan, the guy referenced in, in this passage, does. He absolutely capitalizes on that. So, so, but what the peace and joy that you need to have is what the word says, submit. I saw Satan fall like lightning, man. He was knocked down on this day. The way, by the way, he would be when Jesus hung on the cross and then was resurrected and he was defeated once and for all. And we now live in that era. A post-resurrection world means that, the, that Satan was defeated once and for all. And he has to submit. God has this arrangement and, he, and the devil is underneath it. That's a wonderful truth, you guys, that exists for me and you today. Thousands of years later, anonymous missionaries and anonymous disciples. You know, there are people, um, ah, this word is so aggressive, uh, and I get it. It's so ugly and, and tough. This idea of exorcism, I just want to, I know, it's like, seriously? Is this that kind of church? And Are we going to, this is not Hollywood. I, I get it. I know, I get it. But it, it's in the passage. And so we have to handle it a little bit. We have to talk about it just for a second. And I want to tell you that, that, it's, that it's sometimes not at all what you see in the movies. And band, Isaac, you guys can come up here. Isaac, Melissa, whoever's going to sing and do the thing. That's awesome. I just want to end with this illustration. Remember the question is this. What is your appointment? What is your appointment? Who is God sending you to? Where is God sending you? That's the question. Every single one of us needs to wrestle and pray through. As we say, if you say, if you pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer, you know what I'm saying? If you pray, here I am, Lord, send me. And then you ask, what's my appointment, God? Direct my steps to, my, to the person, to the, to the who. There is a group of people today that I believe are in need of a spiritual and emotional exorcism. Okay? Spiritual and emotional. Not freaking out, not flopping around on the ground, not, not <coughs> possessed like you've seen in a movie, but who are in need of a spiritual an emotional exorcism. In my heart, guys, I keep coming back to this. I don't know why. I think we're supposed to do something about it. But, you know, every single week I'll read in the news, once again, another headline of a professional celebrity YouTuber who's dead, who's died, who's passed away. It seems like every week. You guys, 
These people, these YouTube celebrities, they're maximum 25 years old. Most recent one was 17. Some of them are teenagers. And I went to Google, I want to do some research. Is this just me or is this like a trend line? And and the details surrounding their deaths, murder, suicide, overdose, many of them LGBTQ. Why is that a pertinent detail? Well, because just so you know, it's a statistical reality that members of this community, particularly young trans people and and homosexual people, struggle with the highest rates of self-harm, depression, and suicide. Do, Do our hearts break? For those people. And could they feel safe sitting right here with you and me? That's where they belong. (laughs) That's where they belong, you guys. Because they could reach the highest heights of stardom, celebrity, sponsorship, dollars, online friends, and be empty to the core in need of a spiritual or emotional exorcism because they need Jesus to move in and bust out all those other spirits and words that are from the enemy that's causing these people to take their lives. But I want to know who of us will go. Who of us will go to those people that are in our midst? Who of us will go to the Gen Z, that's the 21-year-old, the teenager, the fifth grader? Who of us will go to them and say, you got to sit next to me this Sunday? Or come along with me this week as we go and you can see what I do for work. Or I can enter into your world and find out what gaming is all about and find out what YouTube is all about. I'm not vilifying those things. Those platforms, those tools can be used for great good. But we got to get in, you guys. We got to get in to those avenues and those platforms and those places so that we can be a force for redeeming the whole world. The whole world. Those are the people that I'm, that I'm praying to God this year, this school year. Those are the people I'm praying to God that, that I will see fill these seats. Because that's what God put on my heart. That's my appointment. So let's pray right now. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and let's pray as, as we sing this worship song and ask God, Lord, I just pray that everyone here would, would get a sense, even if it's just the seedling, the early sense of who it is they're called to and where it is that they're called to, Jesus. What is their appointment? Let them know to a person. And God, we didn't get there in the text today. But some of them think that maybe it's an old appointment, a former appointment, and and in fact, it's actually rejection. They've been met with rejection, and you were telling them to dust off the sand from their sandals and and, and wash their hands of of that rejection, because that's true, and that happens. Some of us have been barking up the wrong tree, Jesus, repetitively, and you have said, it's closed. Have peace about it. This is not the person. This is not the time. This is not the place. And if that's someone right now, let them know that right now. Speak to their heart right now. Let them know that it is okay to have peace about those who've rejected your message. It's okay. It's okay. You're still in control. You're still on the throne. And for all the rest of us, Jesus, what is our appointment? That's what I ask, Father. At home, there is a ministry at home 
There's a ministry digitally. There's a ministry online. So much of this world takes place on, online through the web. In the name of Jesus, help those who are sitting at home and watching online and those who are sitting in person. Let them have an acute awareness of what their appointment is, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.